Yeah, so we found that across market verticals, even the most sophisticated organizations just struggle to buy and use Earth observation data. So Ursa solves this problem by coordinating purchases from hundreds of satellites. This gives customers access to higher revisit rates, multiple image resolutions, frequencies, and price points. And what's real powerful to us with that is when we then start to leverage our virtual constellation approach, now you're able to get imagery over a site every handful of minutes when you combine the various sources. We're standing by. Entry interface minus five minutes. Hey everybody, this is John Severance and welcome back to the New Space Podcast. Today we're talking to a company called Ursa Space Systems and specifically we're talking to Eric Cote, who's their Director of Data and Analytic Services. So for the past few episodes of the podcast, we've been talking to Earth observation companies, companies that send up satellites into space to collect all types of data about Earth. Today's guest though, actually doesn't have a constellation. They have a virtual constellation. The upside is that they can piece together millions and millions of different types of data and turn all that into some of the most profound insights in the industry. It's a really smart model where nearly every company on the planet is going to need a data feed from space. So let's get into it. So thanks a lot, Eric, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, John. It's, it's great to be here today. Great. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about Ursa Space Systems, and I want to start just with a brief overview of what your company does. Sure. So Ursa Space is a U.S.-based satellite intelligence company. We provide businesses and government decision makers access to imagery and on-demand analytic solutions. So using our virtual constellation of data providers, along with our data fusion expertise, we detect real-time changes and analyze patterns in the physical world to understand what's happening at that deeper level. We offer subscriptions and custom services that let our customers access satellite imagery and analytic results without any geographic, political, or weather-related limitations. Awesome. So you guys have made a choice not to manage your own satellites, right? So as, as far as I know, you don't right. launch and manage a constellation. Instead, you partner with other companies that are doing that. So talk to me about that choice in your business model. Yeah, so we found that across market verticals, even the most sophisticated organizations just struggle to buy and use Earth observation data. So Ursa solves this problem by coordinating purchases from hundreds of satellites. This gives customers access to higher revisit rates, multiple image resolutions, frequencies, and price points. And that really lets them choose what they need to, to suit their specific use cases. Earth observation, as you probably know, often requires these highly specialized software and, and skills to task, collect, process, and deliver imagery or insights. And so what we're doing at Ursa Space is removing those challenges that face software developers and giving customers that reliability of a very large satellite constellation without the complexity of managing multiple satellites and imaging modes. So with that virtual constellation, rather than focusing on any specific set of hardware ourselves, we really find that we can address the customer's needs in the best fashion, kind of leveraging all the benefits that each of the individual constellations that comprise our network have to offer. So in terms of the, the who we might choose to partner with, we really look for the best, the highest quality providers that are out there across the various satellite data sources that we may be looking at. We do target synthetic aperture radar imagery as sort of our, our core capability because that is an all-weather, day-night type of source. So we'll look for the highest resolutions that are available or high signal to noise to give you very high quality imagery. We also leverage lower resolution imagery as well where it makes sense. 
And then we kind of layer that in with your optical data sources, RF data sources, like your automatic identification systems or AIS from ship vessels, as well as passive RF sensing sources to do that kind of data fusion that you're talking about and ensure that our insights are as accurate and, and reliable as possible. Awesome. So how do your customers then access this data? Do you provide a platform that they go and grab data and put it together themselves? Do you build custom data feeds? How do they mine all the data that you're bringing down? Right. That's a big part of the, the value proposition that I think we offer. So we have a couple different ways for them to access it. At the heart is what we call the URSA platform. And the URSA platform is a site that people can access. They can register for access. As a starting point, that gives them the ability to view lots of different catalog imagery and data sources that are available across our virtual constellation. They can do complex searches using different geospatial footprints and see what might be available from several providers, filter based on frequency or resolution or image type if they want to look at optical imagery, for example, instead of star imagery. And that platform serves as the basis for us to get all of the data to our customers in whatever way they might need. For some customers, that might be a, a little bit more of a, a simplistic process where maybe they're just downloading a link to some image that they might have purchased. And for our more entrenched customers that are looking for repeat solutions and different analytics and image capabilities we offer, we will often give them access via programming interfaces like your API interfaces and other automatic means of delivering imagery to them in a more integrated manner with their own systems and workflows. So if you're looking at the best of the best, as you said, right, all the different constellation companies, and I know you have a lot of partnerships in place, what trends do you see on the horizon? Where do you see innovation in the market? Yeah, that's a great question. There's there's actually a few different interesting thrusts where I say innovation is happening. So on one hand, we're starting to see the aggregation of different sensors on specific satellites. So some constellation providers are starting to work on that. And when you look at fusing data from multiple sources, having them collected around the same time is, is a key component to making that successful at times. So another aspect of innovation, I think, is just the various data types that are being offered now. In the past, it was simply optical data. We're now seeing the explosion of the commercialization of space, certainly with a lot more synthetic aperture radar, SAR imagery sources available from commercial companies. Beyond that, we're seeing more with, with multispectral data, increasing in the different frequency bands that they look at there, and even going into hyperspectral data. So in these kinds of sources, now you have significant amounts of wavelengths that you're covering, and they're very narrow band channels. And that really lets you discriminate in some interesting ways too. So the innovation and in the different kinds of data sources that are being made available now continues to grow as well, not just in imaging sources, but in other areas like, like passive RF sensing. So now being able to detect what kinds of RF emissions might be happening on the ground and being able to layer that in as part of other data sources to definitively answer a question that a, a customer might have. Beyond that, I think another interesting innovation comes with the temporal aspect. So in the past, you might have a small satellite constellation of a single provider or a single satellite that that provider might have, or just a handful. And more and more, we're seeing these constellations that are being developed where they're robust enough to have relatively regular monitoring over any site in the world. And what's real powerful to us with that is when we then start to leverage our virtual constellation approach, now you're able to get imagery over a site every handful of minutes when you combine the various sources. And, and that can be very powerful too. We certainly see higher resolution happening as well. There's a push for more and more resolution. That's not always what will benefit a given customer, but it's great to see that capability too. If a customer is looking for a smaller type of item on the scene, if it's a vehicle and they want to know what type of vehicle it may be, for example, certainly higher and higher resolution always helps with those kinds of aspects as well. Cool. I definitely want to get into the applications, but 
before that, just another question on this theme. So obviously, if you look at this commercialization trend within Earth observation, there's been a lot of activity, a lot of new constellations, a lot of new data that's being collected, and we're learning a lot of new things about the Earth. How do you describe the overall value proposition of what's going on right now in, in Earth observation? Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, never before have you been able to get access to data in, in almost near real time now over sites where you might have different types of problem sets that you want to obtain. So to me, it's almost like the revolution you've seen with even your type of home monitoring. You can put cameras on your home now and you can see in very high definition quality what's happening and you can get automated alerts when there's motion that's detected or something in your yard or something happening that you wouldn't expect. And that's all at your fingertips. And really what we're seeing in the satellite world is that same kind of trend. Uh, more and more of that data is readily accessible. It's very fresh. It's not months old, but it's hours old or even minutes old. And then we can take that data and using alerts, much like your home security system or otherwise might have, you can choose to queue other sensors and get more information that's relevant to the problem at hand. And so with that, you know, we're really able to do some exciting things. The, the temporal frequency increasing, you know, being able to collect more often, higher resolution, different data types, and decreasing cost, I might add. Now you have opened up markets that, that just never would have thought about star imaging before. We can do so much more, and you can even imagine, as an example, maybe you're a business and you want to understand how you have a, a lot of different locations. If you're a, a chain business, like a restaurant chain, and you want to understand how those businesses are performing, you could layer data now and collect multiple times a day those parking lots and understand exactly how many customers you might have across locations, across time, across the calendar year. But to take that a step further, if, if you want to look at a competing chain, now maybe you can look yeah. at somebody else's parking lots and understand that insight. Uh, or if you're a real estate mogul and you want to understand exactly where you want to build the next commercial office complex or, or how office complexes are performing given the, the recent pandemic, you can start to, to layer in these kinds of data sources and get very interesting information that's very real, very relevant and timely to help make those business decisions and to make them more intelligently. Um, those are just some simple examples, John, that are looking at in that case, parking lots, for example, and how many cars are in a parking lot. But we can extend that now for into our the maritime environment, when you're trying to look at shipping and congestion and ports and the supply constraints that we've been seeing recently, you can do right-of-way monitoring if you're a utility provider and you want to understand, are you having vegetation encroachment? Is anybody doing any, any bad activity near your, your pipelines or anything like that? All this monitoring now opens up some very interesting solutions to problems that have existed for a very long time. And again, it's all enabled by lower costs, more data types being available, the all-weather nature of some of them, such as SAR, that you overlay with optical when you can to get that human interpretability more easily, as well as those, those price points and resolutions. So just a confluence of a lot of great things happening with the commercialization of space, um, much like other, other industries that have exploded over the last several decades, like, like the internet, computers, and, and you name it. Yeah, I was going to say, if you look at the Burger King parking lot, you're not going to see a lot of activity. That'd be a boring link, boring data feed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd love to learn more about some of your key customers or customer types and some of the markets where you see the most interesting developments, right? So maybe a little bit more on that sure. would be awesome. Yeah, so we kind of break up the customer types into a few different market verticals that we call them. So one is global security. And in the global security market, we're trying to analyze patterns in critical locations uh, to, to really enable change detection 
and provide change detection in, in uncharted territories where we haven't just seen these kinds of things before. So there too, again, we'll leverage our extensive network and be able to guarantee comprehensive coverage of these critical locations. Sometimes it might be border monitoring as well. There might be border tensions between India and China, as an example, or things of that nature. And so we can layer in multiple data sources and have this comprehensive coverage to really address areas of global security. Another one's global monitoring. So let's look at the physical economic indicators and the environment to inform strategic choices and decisions for our customers. So we can look at patterns in the economy to improve customers' understandings of market fundamentals and be able to make better trading decisions and corporate planning strategies and infrastructure improvements all based on global monitoring. An example of that is we have like a, a crude oil inventory that URSA monitors. So we look at crude inventory around the globe on a weekly basis. And so you can understand what those oil levels look like and given the supply on a weekly basis, make some sound trading decisions if you want or understand what the global economy looks like. Um, often in advance of what a, a government report might be on a weekly basis. So we can get that information out to the, the decision makers even sooner. And we have other techniques where we can look at patterns in the economy as well. Automotive manufacturing indices, where we actually monitor um, several automotive plants around the globe. And again, those are all indicators that can gauge economic strength as just one example of like a global monitoring market vertical. Another main one is in the maritime world. So we call it the blue economy. Uh, so there we're, we're trying to uncover different patterns, both onshore and offshore, for some holistic insight into vessel activities. I mentioned it already in terms of supply constraints, for example, in terms of ports and harbors. But in general, for maritime professionals, Ursa Space is providing unprecedented transparency into where those vessels may be located as well and their behavior at sea and how they, how they also act with, with different onshore activities. So again, we have this holistic view of what's happening with waterborne movement of goods and helping people to thwart any illegal activities, illegal fishing. Are there some vessels that are trying to, to go around different sanctions? Are there dark vessels where they're not transmitting and they're doing various nefarious things that they're not supposed to be doing? But those are all areas in the blue economy that we can help provide insight into as well. And then I think the fourth main one that I'd say from a different market vertical standpoint where we try to address are various utility operators or the utility operator vertical. There we're looking at different patterns, trying to reveal patterns and coverage in asset areas to power their services forward. So we're monitoring vast amounts of infrastructure that can be vulnerable to damage, and we're monitoring it using these cost-effective and efficient methods so that customers that, that are chartered mitigating these risks can do so very proactively and actually respond faster when those disruptions occur. You can think of your natural disaster scenarios as well, even as part of this. All of a sudden, I've lost a lot of power line infrastructure. Where might I send my crews first? And being able to monitor broadly, again, without regard or concern about the weather conditions, being able to monitor through rain, through night and day, it lets those companies like your pipelines and electricity grids, you know, look for proactively for signs of danger, as well as react to those kinds of power outage and natural disaster scenarios more quickly and more effectively so that uh, ultimately their bottom line improves significantly, as does their efficiency. Yeah, cool. I imagine that in rural areas, right, areas where you're not typically monitoring something, there's no drone you could fly over, there's no terrestrial-based system, that a, a view from space is going to hone in on a certain activity. What angle does space give you that you can't get from another type of Earth observation source? I think what's interesting to me is it's the coverage area combined with the various data modalities that it offers. So if we want to do passive RF sensing, for example, to be able to, to monitor several hundred kilometers and understand where signals may be coming from, 
that can be game-changing where you just can't do that with another source readily. It just, just can't scale. Even when we look at things like pipeline monitoring, you might have hundreds of kilometers of pipeline length and you can fly an aircraft there and you can use some of those sensors. But even if you're looking at an aircraft flying, they have those weather constraints. They can't really fly unless it's visual conditions to assess a pipeline or take imagery of that pipeline. So from space, you augment and isolate yourself from some of those weather-related concerns. Uh, and again, with the different data modalities we have available, if we're using synthetic aperture radar imagery, now I can monitor this day or night on a very repetitive interval, and I can get consistent information about the kind of change that a company may want to detect. And then if there's something that happens or an opportunity affords itself to collect an optical image where it's nice and clear, then we can layer that in as well. So we, we try to work on several different fronts to make sure that, again, we give the customer exactly what they need given their use case, and we leverage the best of the best via optical data, SAR, or otherwise. And you just don't have that amount of flexibility until you go to space. And it really is a game-changing capability for that area coverage. As another quick example, John, even with insurance, for example, that's an area where if a storm happens, they might try to send out drones and they look at monitoring the infrastructure and understanding exactly what changed. But we work with some of those providers as well. And we can look at that change detection from space before and after a storm and identify where the most change happened, identify where flooding might be prevalent, and get those crews out to the places where they're needed most. And, and even in that insurance side, you know, heavily leverages various types of data sets. They even recognize the potential that, that space offers now as well. It just scales way better. It gives them far more precise information and multiple data sources that they can pull from. So again, it, it's just really exciting with the commercialization of space and the capabilities coming online today that will continue to enable these uh, sort of game-changing insights into industries that had never before considered using space-based data in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't even have thought about it five years ago, right? Right. Exactly. Awesome. So what's next for Ursa? Do you have a particular roadmap that you're following? Is there a a data set that you're going to bring to market or an improvement in how you integrate data? What's some of the things we should expect next? Yeah, there's, there's a lot on our plate. There's a lot we want to accomplish for sure. A part of my role as a data and analytics services is I'm working on those strategic roadmaps as well and figure out exactly how we can best leverage different providers and how we can get exciting insights into, into customers' hands. There's a few different aspects that we're working on now. One is we really want to make it more readily available in terms of providing analytics to different customers. So we're enhancing and, and automating some of our different interfaces to let people order that imagery in an easier manner that that'll scale as their need increases. So it's one thing to have a customer come to you and say, I need an image or I need an analytic here, but to integrate into their workflows, we want to scale and automate that, make that as easy as possible for, for all these industries that are expressing an interest now. So we're working on various ways that automate those workflows. We're continuing to enhance our platform to provide those capabilities to users as well. So we think it's just paramount to be able to search and see what's available across the world from our virtual constellation of providers. We have over 25 million images in our catalog now over the last several years. People can search that. They can sign up for free online and actually get access to our platform. Um, and that's all the starting point to me to, to try and scale and ultimately make using data from satellites as ubiquitous and easy as downloading an app on your phone. And so a lot of the different thrusts that we're working on are trying to make that as simple as possible. We've had a lot of customers get real excited about the platform capabilities we already have. It's unparalleled in many ways. Um, and we have a vision for how to make that all the more relevant and game-changing for their own workflows, where we can do those same kinds of automations for a given problem set that they may have. 
Part of that will also come with some subscription services. So we want to offer more subscription data sets available that, again, back to what you said with different areas and hotspots, if we can make something available on a regular basis and somebody can just click and subscribe and use it, then that's fantastic. But the other thing that we're trying to do is just make everything as easy as possible to consume, even when the customer has a very unique challenge. While we're seeing the commercialization of space scale and lots of interest happen, ultimately there are various nuances to the different challenges that customers may face in, in each of these market verticals and their individual business segments. And so we're putting together all the pieces and parts that'll let those interactions and subsequent workflows be as efficient and, and cost-effective for the customer as possible too. So from my standpoint, the more I can make this virtual constellation truly act and look like a single constellation to our data partners and let them optimize on whatever, whatever dimension or requirement they may have, I think that's really what's going to make them successful, make our own business model successful, because that'll let us get all the analytics and insights that we want to into their hands while abstracting all the different challenges that are normally associated with buying this imagery. So last question for you. Do you think right now the end user, it's as simple as like, oh, check the space cam, see what we can see from space? Or is it more that they don't even know it's from space? It's just a data feed that's integrated into all the other things we're analyzing. So it's just like deeming the latest analysis of what's going on here in space, while it might've been exotic a while ago, is now just integrated. It's just part of the data set. Right. I think, I think what you just keyed in on there is one of the things that I'm most excited about. So on one hand, we have our customers where they want imagery and we can act as a broker and we can give them the imagery that they need and deliver that imagery. But when you look at the commercialization of space and what it's enabling, a lot of the new customers where maybe their requirements would be met for the, whatever challenges they might have, they don't care about the data. They don't want to look at pixels. They don't want to analyze or understand an image. They just want an answer to a problem. And so yeah. at Ursa, that's kind of our main goal as well, right? If we can get them an answer to a problem where they don't ever need to see an image, they don't need to see a source data set, know anything about it, but they can just trust confidently that it's the answer that they need, um, that the information is reliable, and we're able to present that in a way that it can integrate into their workflows, which just as you said, they're none the wiser that it came from space or anything else. I think that's the most exciting part out of all of this because somewhat ironically, the, the commercialization of space will enable a lot of capabilities that people don't need to know that it came from space. And I think that's the model for success. As soon as it starts to be understood that it came from space, it, it can raise more questions than it even needs to. As long as they can trust Ursa, they can know that it's from space, but if they don't have to be aware of that imagery, have to see the imagery, that ultimately is the kind of model that I think will make that data successful for them. And the analytics and insights from that data be able to get used in their workflows without without any challenges whatsoever. Yeah, you're right. After the commercialization of space comes the normalization of space, right? It's becoming more and more where space is just an extension of our earth. I'm going to go up to space on a vacation or I'm going to go up to space to work. I mean, I know that's far away, but it's really interesting because there's just a lot of interest in it, right? And I think it's a healthy and it's a positive interest. It's not a kind of weird curiosity that you may have got sci-fi type thing, Star Trek. So. Right. Yeah, it'll be very normalized. And I've already talked to companies that with the colonization of the moon, for example, they're starting to talk about satellites that'll orbit the moon. And so it won't just be Earth observation, right? It'll be there'll be moon observation. And, That's and there's right. just a lot of exciting aspects that, believe it or not, it's already in the works, already being planned. So that'd be boring though. Too. Like nothing's changing here. Like it's the same yeah. rocks, the same craters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the weather doesn't change much. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Eric, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, John. That was a pleasure.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Space Podcast. We're going to stick to the Earth observation theme for a few more episodes. Next up will be Hawkeye 360. They collect RF data from space, which helps defense and other organizations discover critical insights sooner and act faster. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can go to our website, explorenewspace.com, and there you'll find links to all the popular platforms. Thank you very much. Bye now.